The Yankees' ride on Space Mountain is on the way up again. Ryan Lamar's walk-off led the Bombers to a two-game sweep over the Phillies in four straight victories. The youth exuberance has arrived. We'll get into the recent hot streak. Can the Yankees take three of four or sweep the Red Sox in Boston? We'll preview the big series ahead. Our special guest is a big one. It's Nelly's former manager, four-time World Series champion, Joe Torre. So put your hands together, get pumped up, and join us for a brand new pinstripe pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow us all on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Nelly's former manager, four-time World Series champion Joe Torrey will join us for a must-listen interview later in the Pinstripe Pod. But our first segment is must-listen as well, Jeff, because the roller coaster, she's going up once again. And the Yankees are showing some speed, some athleticism. And uh, someone from the S Network, one of my colleagues, tweeted out, oh, look, small ball. And I said, no, baseball. This is what the teams that you played on in the late 90s with our guest that's coming on right after our first segment and Joe Torrey pretty much managed and saw with his team when you guys won those four World Series championships. Just first and foremost, what has your impression been since the break with this team, the way they're playing? Well, I think, you you know, you look at the Yankees and when everybody plays against the Yankees, obviously they want to beat them, but they're not used to this kind of baseball because it's used to station to station and hit the ball out of the ballpark. So I think the Yankees have taken everybody by shock by having these young guys come up and, you know, you never want COVID to hit. You never want to lose Judge or Urshela or some of your pitchers that you've lost, Loisega, down in the bullpen. But it's almost been a blessing in a sense that some of these guys and, and infused infused energy. You know, you have Allen, who's been incredible. I mean, these guys have come up, and then you look at Floreal. Both of those guys belong to stay – I mean, deserve to stay here, by the way, when Judge and Urshela come back. It's time to keep this life uh, in this dugout and on the field. It's a sense of baseball. You have to put pressure on the other team's defense. I mean, you look at some of the winning teams. They just don't win by hitting three-run homers all the time, and that's all that the you know analytics is telling the Yankees. Wait for the three-run homer. Get guys on base. Don't steal a base because you're giving an out away. Don't bunt because you're giving an out away. It's an old style of baseball that, look, they've played good ball. I mean, they, they got bailed out by a rain out on Saturday against the Red Sox, and then they played really good baseball on Sunday, and they beat the Phillies. I mean, they, they, this is a good team. They have a good lineup. They don't have great bullpen. Their bullpen sucks. Uh, you saw Neris. I mean, he was absolutely horrible. But they beat teams, and they beat them in a way that I don't think any of the other teams in American League have seen before. Well, we talked about that 19 game around the All-Star break stretch, and right now the Yankees are 8-3 and three so far in the midst, 11 games in to this 19 
19 game around the all-star break stretch where they had to play Seattle, Houston. And remember, Seattle was ahead of them in the wild card. Not anymore. The Yankees have leapfrogged everybody. So they're on the outside looking in as the team behind the two wild card teams right now because of this recent eight and three stretch. They've won four straight series. And, you know, you talked about Greg Allen and Florial uh, staying around. That's not a question. That is an exclamation point. Because last night, now look, you could take Tyler Wade and whatever, but five lefties, Jeff, were in the lineup. Five, count them. What kind of sorcery was this for the Yankees? And Allen and Florial, plus Ryan Lamar, he, he came up with that big pinch hit to beat the Phillies in extra innings. But the thing that all three of those guys have brought to this team with the COVID IL players out have been speed and they're getting on base and they're stealing bases and they're not giving away outs. They haven't been caught yet. I mean, this is the style of baseball, seriously, that you all played in the late 90s. And it's part of the reason why you won so many damn World Series. Yeah, and you can even throw Odor. It seems like Odor's got a, a, an extra life as well. You know, sometimes when you get these young guys, I mean, we had Shane Spencer come up. We had Ricky Lede come up. Uh, we had guys like that that would come out of all of a sudden and infuse an extra energy into that locker room. Not that we really needed it, but they came in and they wanted to show what they were about. They wanted to show, hey, I, can, I belong here and I can play with the big boys as well. And I think that's what Alan Florial Odor's all of a sudden got a next life. It seemed like before, I mean, we talked about it so many times, it was stale baseball. I mean, I didn't even want to go to the stadium because I was watching stale baseball. I was watching guys swing as hard as they can. They're not making contact. And see, Al, you know, you look at Alan Florial, has, has, he has some power. He has some. He has a chance to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But some of these guys, you know, they're contact guys. They got to make things happen. Alan needs to bunt, utilize his speed, get on base. He's almost like a young gardener in some ways that, hey, you know, let me just get on base and I'll steal you two bases a single is sometimes a triple with this guy and it's you're seeing a different life you're seeing a different style of baseball that the Yankees have never played or haven't played all year but let's see what happens now when Judge and Urshela come back. Will they go back to the stale baseball? Will all of a sudden Florial and all of a sudden Allen go back to AAA? I hope not, you know, because all of a sudden it's an exciting game again. I mean, you look on Twitter, you look on social media, fans are excited about this stuff now. They're not like, oh, you know, I, obviously it's a roller coaster. I'm not going to get up for it. I want, I want to see what happens in the Red Sox series, see what these young guys do again. And then after that, you just have to wait and see what kind of moves they make during the All-Star break. I'm, I mean, before the the, uh, deadline. I'm sure they're going to make something. They don't think they're out of it. I don't think anybody thinks they're out of it, but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of brand of baseball they get back when some of these guys like Judge and Urshela are back in the lineup. Well, they said Judge would, should be back by the end of the Boston series or the beginning of the Tampa Bay series. Urshela should be back this weekend in Boston at some point. Jonathan Lewisica as well. That will be a bolstering to the bullpen, I should say, but they have a huge, you just brought it up, so why don't we go there? A huge four-game set at Fenway. Right now, uh, as we tape this here on a Thursday, they are 50-44. and 44. They've played 94 games. They've got 68 to go. They're in third place 
up one game on the Blue Jays, seven games out of the Red Sox, three and a half behind the second wild card behind the Oakland A's. This is the time, Jeff. And you know what? Now that they have roped me and all the Yankee fans back in by going eight and three, and I know that loss to the Astros before the break was brutal, but these four games in Boston. Now look, the Red Sox took the first, what, seven games so far this season? Then the Yankees came back with a counterpunch and won the last two in the Bronx. Go up to Boston with this injection of the guys from the minor leagues who, let's face it, Jeff, we heard Ryan Lamar on Sunday night after the Yankees beat the Red Sox at the stadium. It's not all the time you get to put on these pinstripes. Think about what that means. You've put them on. You know you are a huge part of those four World Series championships. So you know what those pinstripes mean. So does Lamar. Greg Allen, he was ensconced with the with the Cleveland Indians. He was. He he, he was going to be a major part of Cleveland. He was with the, he's no stranger to the big leagues, folks. And you think he wants to go back to minor league baseball? No. These guys, this was their shot. When they got the shot, when they heard COVID hit the Yankees and they came up to the big club, they said, all right, this is it. This is how we get to stay up here and make a difference for the big club. I don't think Allen wants to go back. But these four games, Jeff, against Boston, Montgomery, Houck, that's tonight. Colin Rodriguez is Friday. Saturday, we have Tyone and Evaldi. And then Sunday, Martin Perez goes against Domingo Herman. These four games at Fenway, go up there and punch back. Win the last six straight against the Red Sox like they just took seven straight to start the season. That's how you counterpunch. You use the injection of youth. Greg Allen is 28 years old. He's a switch hitter. He belongs on this team. No, I, no question. And, you know, if you're the Red Sox, you're probably feeling, okay, when you went into Yankee Stadium because of the weather, you feel like, okay, we split. So, you know, 1-1 one, one, because that rainout game, we probably, you know, they're probably having confidence. Oh, well, we would have come back. But or, you know, I, I don't even think I don't even know how they played that last inning in the downpour. I was doing a Marlins game and this this was in Philadelphia and it was buckets. And why would any Major League Baseball or any kind of umpiring crew allow that kind of series? Because it would have went the other way. And I would have said the same thing if all of a sudden the Red Sox law, you know, won. Why in the hell would you even play that inning in a downpour like that? It just makes zero sense. But, you know, the Yankees came out on top and that's all that matters. And it is. This is a big four-game series. You know, and, and I think teams, you know, you don't see stolen bases a lot. You don't think you don't see pressure on the base paths a lot. You don't see it in the National League. You don't see it in the American League. Some teams have it. Some teams, most teams don't. So a lot of teams don't know how to defend with that. You know, you look at the Phillies. They probably know how to defend against stolen bases that the Yankees have never done before. Uh, you, you know, and I think the Red Sox are going to feel the same way when these young guys come up. I mean, they had a little bit there during during the weekend, but the weather related. But you're not going to get the weather this time. It should be nice up in Boston. And you know, let's see how these young guys go and let's see, hey, you know what, let's let's step on their throats. I mean, the Red Sox are going to say, hey, we're going to punch back too. They're going to say, you're not going to beat us in our house and we're going to knock you straight back. But, you know, the pitching is set up exactly the way the Yankees want it. You've just seen these guys. This is why I can't stand the 19 times during, you know, in the division when you're seeing the same team a week later or a series later. So you've just seen the same pitching staff, uh, the same starters that threw against you. So that's that should be an advantage for the hitters. You're going to get some of your big guys back. You just 
just mentioned are selling. You'll get judged maybe on Sunday, if not during the Tampa series. I just want these guys to stand ar- stick around, and maybe it's time to shed some dead weight. I-, I like some of these guys that have been on the team, and they've done a great job, and, a great- and they've had a great career with the Yankees, but it's time to move on. It's time to keep some of these young players that have infused this energy and probably could really help them win going forward. And, and maybe you keep them in- until you make a-, make a move, until you make a trade, because that infuses energy as well in a locker room. Once you get make a move and, and a team and, and an organization is saying, hey, we believe in you. We want to make sure that you guys have the best chance to make the playoffs. And that's what we did every single year when we were the Yankees. And Mr. Starmer was never complacent. And, you know, he always wanted to add. No matter how good we are, he always wanted to add. And hopefully they're the same way. You know, this is going to be an exciting weekend. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how the Yankees come out, out of this. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say this is their season. But, hey, if they keep going forward, they're going to keep knocking games off of that AL East. And hopefully they change their mind and say, screw the freaking wild card. We want to win the East. A few things to react to there, and I'm excited to hear you talk with your old manager. Maybe he's got some poop stories for uh, no, for us no, as well. No, we might not. He's way too respectful to be talking about that stuff. <laughs> no poop references will be had, but guys, we you know you always talk about. I think I use your analogy, Nelly, on the Met show about the Space Mountain season, and that's baseball up and down, up and down, up and down. And you know, it really you, you win two, then the Astros lost. You come out of the break in COVID, and you're like. You never are feeling any downer than you are in that moment. Here's Judge out. Who the hell's in our lineup? They go out and win. And what's exciting, and you have moments like last night where Ryan Lamar, a guy who's been on five different teams in the big leagues, people think this guy's a rookie. He's bounced around the league. He's been a journeyman, comes out, and then Michael Kay does this on everyone. They tore open his jersey. Let's look. Oh, no buzzer. And they win by a score of six to five. We- so essentially, he took a shot at the Astros there with the uh, they tore on open the bandwagon. Isn't it time to let that go? No buzzer. No, I, it was trending on Twitter. That's why I bring it up. It was trending like nationwide on Twitter. Michael K, your colleague with the great shot, subtle shot at the uh, at the Astros there. But guys like that, you know, with the Mets, I've loved it with Joe We Fargus and random, you know, Billy McKinney who got traded. Yankees, you're seeing it with Lamar and, and these guys like Greg Allen. And people love those underdog stories. And if they could get these guys back and, you know, the youth, as you say, infuses that energy into guys like Judge coming back, then uh, this could be a, a little fun run for you guys after you were feeling coming out of the break with COVID. You had no one on the roster. Everyone was posting, is this the AAA Yankee lineup Saturday and Sunday? And uh, now uh, here we go. Go to Boston. But you know what? It's what I said before. These guys understand that this might be their only shot to have a chance to do something for the big club and then maybe just maybe stay with the big club. As Nelly brought up, Shane Spencer comes up and gives that to his team. You know, Ricky Lede comes up, gives that to his team. Homer Bush came up, was huge on the base paths. You know, Homer may not have, you know, gotten big hits left and right, but Joe Torre knew when to press the button and put him out there to pinch run and he would just infuse some speed into the team, and away they went. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. We saw Allen and Lamar in the Red Sox series stealing bases at the same time. I mean, you had to be watching that as a Yankee fan, as I was saying, this is not Yankees baseball. Okay, so what happens now? What happens when these guys come back? What 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 happens? Is it one of those handshakes and say, hey, thanks for the last week and we'll, we'll see you later? I don't know, you know. Hey, we had some laughs. Now go back to Scranton. I, it can't it can't be like that. But you brought up Florial 
And what I think, I just have this sneaking suspicion. They didn't want to bring him up because they wanted, you know, he was a piece. They did, and they didn't want to bring him up. That's why they brought Ambergi up, but he gets hurt. So they really have no choice. They can't bring anybody else up with the way Florial has been touted his entire minor league career. You know, he, he started at 2014. He was one of the top international pool players. The Yankees took him in 2015. And, you know, a couple injuries set his development back. He had the broken bone in his uh, hand and he had the ankle issue. Uh, so that took some, a lot of it bats away from him. So it kind of set him back a little bit. But I think he was going to be stashed in the minors, if you will, and then sent away. So here's what I hope doesn't happen. I hope guys like Florial, guys like Greg Allen, I don't think, I, I know what Ryan Lamar has done for this team, but I, I don't think he's going to be one of the guys that sticks around. I think in Allen and Florial, though, you have two guys that could hit from the left side that make this lineup diversified. You need to keep guys like this around. Now, depending on whether, you know, Jose Ramirez is available and the Indians who are still on the cusp of the wild card, they want to go after it and they want to get into the playoffs this season or they want to start making moves and be sellers and look towards next year. Now, look, if he's available, who knows? He can help bolster you. He's a switch hitter too, a tremendous infielder, a huge pop at the plate. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen at the deadline, Nelly. All I know is I'm kind of a sentimental guy and I'm kind of a homegrown guy. I don't want to see Florial go anywhere. I want to see Florial. I want to see Allen. I want to see these guys in the lineup for as long as they are producing for this team. And I want to see them be the difference makers. I don't want to make trades now. Now, look, I, I know you might want to bring in another starter just as, you know, to stash and have them. But I, I don't know what you think, Jeff, but that's what I think. Yeah, it's great that these guys that have infused and they've been here, what, six games, five games. You really don't, you can't really judge what they're going to do after five games. They've infused a lot of energy. You've seen different ba- kind of baseball. You know, it's been it's been nice to see. It's been refreshing for the fans, refreshing for us. You know, going forward, I, I don't see, you know, you don't know. Like you can't predict anything about, oh, is this going to continue? Will their, will their uh, injection, will, because baseball is full of adversity. And how will these young guys feel when all of a sudden they go, to, go into a slump? And how will they accept adversity? How will they overcome that? Uh, you never know. You know, I much rather have a veteran type player at the deadline. And if that is Ramirez, look, look you, we can go and, and say, okay, you know, there was a lot of bad signings on this team and it really clogged a lot of moves. And, and one of them was Hicks. Hicks is not going to be here, obviously, because he's out for the rest of the year. But you should have never signed this guy co- to a contract. He wasn't even a, a fourth outfielder with the Twins. And all of a sudden you made him a $80 million player. So that was a little head scratcher there because you probably had a lot better players and a lot more a lot a lot more guys that would have stayed healthy and maybe produced in that part of that lineup and obviously Stanton is the same way but yeah you might have to shed some you know some dead weight I mean some guys that have been around like a Brett Gardner who's had a tremendous career with with the Yankees and it might be time to say hey listen we have some young guys we want to go in this direction we can play them every day even Brett Gardner coming down and you talking in August and September he you know he's not used to playing all this time that's a whole idea over what the last three or four years like okay we're going to keep Gardner, but let's let's use him as a part-time player. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, somebody gets hurt and he's a full-time player. Just and it's every have, year. It's yeah, every so, year. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 
kudos to him because he's been able to go out there and do it. I mean, he's hitting under 200, but you know, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt that, hey, you know what, he's not supposed to be doing this. He's supposed to be a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. I still think they need a veteran type player. And if, 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 me, if that means Ramirez and you restructure that infield, then that's what you do. You know, and, and I'm sorry, Luke Voigt, you led the, led the league in home runs. You're, you're, you're injury prone this year. You're on the IL all the time. You know, I, I probably would have tried to trade him in the wintertime anyway and tried to send a, sign a short stop and put Torres at second and leave LeMayhew at first. If that's what happens, you're going to have to restructure the infield. And, you know, Luke Voigt is probably the odd man out right there. That's uh, the analytics. Know. Yeah, that's the analytics department falling in right. love with the guy and you're like right. They, they need a starter. You don't know how much Tyone's going to last. I mean, he's put together some good starts here, about three or four in a row. You have Cole. Uh, you know, Montgomery, you know, he he's a guy who's going to keep you in the game. He's probably a fourth or fifth starter. He's not a three. He's not a two. Not right now. Can he be? He's probably but, you know, you look at some of these rumors in here that possibly, you know, I, I read that if they go out and get a Ramirez, they might trade Glaber Torres to the freaking Indians. I, you're hearing that kind of stuff. So that stuff might happen, you know. And the bullpen, it, it's going to be good to get Loisica back because it's, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to get taxed a little bit. All right. We always talk about the Yankees needing 92-93 wins this season to potentially get that wild card spot. We're guessing, but that's where they need to be, 93 wins. Can they go 43-25 and 25 over their last 68 games? That's only 18 games over 500. I mean, they haven't played that baseball all season long. It remains to be seen. But I think the way they're playing right now, I think they do get to 93 wins or maybe even better. But we shall see. A big weekend set against the Red Sox is right in front of us. And a big interview is also right in front of us. We've talked to a lot of Jeff Nelson's teammates throughout the tenure of this podcast. And coming up next, we talk to the man who led those teams. Mr. Joe Torrey is straight ahead on the Pinstripe Pod. As promised, joining us now, a four-time World Series champion, Yankees manager Joe Torrey. Mr. Torrey, thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the Pinstripe Pod. Oh, anytime I get a chance to talk to my great reliever, how can I resist? Well, I'm going to see you in about an hour. So. Uh, oh, I thought this was Mariano. Oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry. I can speak Almost done. Uh, let me start there, Mr. Torrey. What was it like having this guy beyond that bullpen wall and be able to call on Nelly uh, throughout your tenure with the Yankees? Well, it would have been near perfect if he didn't keep trying to pick guys off first base with that trick move going to third and first. <laughs> I mean, aside from that. But in all seriousness, you know, between him and Stanton, they were such security blankets for me because, you know, you a lot of times you hold your breath and you want to get to the eighth inning, seventh inning, I mean, ninth inning. But, you know, I could go to these guys early in between the two of them. You know, they would get us to where we needed to be. But I remember very distinctly my first World Series was 96, but uh, winning the division, Nelly was the pitcher on the mound uh, when we got the final out to clinch the division. Yeah, that was a great, you know, I, I've always appreciated that. I got to clinch that against the Brewers, and it was just an amazing feeling. And you know, one of the one of the things, you know, I played for Lou Pinella in Seattle before I got traded 
over to the Yankees and, and with you. And, you know, he, he taught me a lot as far as how to, I, I think, how to get ready to play in the big leagues and how to how to adjust and have thick skin over the adversity of the game. But coming here to New York, I said, so many great assets that you had as a manager. But the one that I thought that I think it carried through the whole clubhouse is that you made it so easy for us to succeed or made it easier for us to succeed in such a tough place like New York, as far as, you know, the handling the media, the way you did just by having the so, so much of a calming feeling in that clubhouse, it was almost like, uh, you know, all these, all these, things that you hear like, oh, New York's the toughest place. Yeah, it is the toughest place, but you made it so easy once you got in that clubhouse and once you once you stepped in between the lines to go out and try to be your best. And, and it wasn't, the pressures didn't seem as great as everybody thought. Well, Nellie, you know what? I, I guess the fact that I was from New York and being a baseball fan, I, I was always aware. I think everybody was aware of what went on with the Yankees, you know, with George Steinbrenner. There was always some kind of potential distraction that can happen only because George was hungry to win and you know and he was impatient if players didn't perform and I felt it was my really my duty my my responsibility to try to insulate and again best I could I mean no way I mean you know that you're not going to be aware of George's reaction here and there but I I needed to let everybody know in that clubhouse that you know we're there to play baseball and you know we're going to eliminate at least I did what I could to eliminate as many distractions as possible because they uh, you know they're up for grabs in New York so I, I think probably the fact that I was from New York and of course had managed and, and realized that New York was unlike any other place that, you know, I was just happy I was able to uh, have the players understand that even though George certainly was a force that as far as baseball decisions, those were made by the baseball people. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. best the best way you could describe what you did for that 25 man roster was like you were you were like the bulletproof vest. You were just a big piece of Kevlar for everyone on that roster throughout your tenure Uh, and winning that title in 1996 for fans, you know, that hadn't seen a World Series championship, Joe, since 1978. I mean, that that's a long drought. And for, for you guys and, and to, for everything you went through personally that year with your brother, Frank, uh, God rest him with, with his heart transplant. There were so many moving parts to that season. It, do you look at 96 as that be, I know 98 was the ridiculous team, but do you look at back at 96 as being the most special out of those four titles? Yes. Well, first off, it was my first one. Uh, and you know, there'll never be another first one, but you know, we were underdogs at Baltimore had a real good ball club, even though, you know, we had a great deal of success, even though it took a lot of time because every game, I think, was four hours that we played those guys. But to me, 96 will always be special because I, I thought we were underdogs. I thought we had uh, a bunch of guys who just kept grinding. You know, every time uh, Baltimore got close, you know, they, they won a big game. And when I say day, there was a contribution from just about everybody. You know, whether you're a bench player who's pinch running or, uh, you know, you guys coming out of the, coming into the game in the middle and, and holding it right there and giving us a chance to catch up. So th- there were so many contributions, so many different people that uh, actually that year, it's proof. I don't think we had anybody starting on the All-Star team. So, you know, we, we had a, a bunch of uh, good players that 
you know, really work great as a unit. You know, you're, Joe, you're, you're a Hall of Fame manager. In my opinion, you probably could have been a Hall of Fame player, too. I mean, you had an outstanding numbers MVP in 71. Uh, you ever look back? I mean, I, I look back now. I mean, seeing what we did and the teams that we had and realize it probably will never be done again when you when, it, when a team wins three in a row. Do you look back and look at those years and, and, and just say, wow, what, what, what great people you had and what great coaching staffs that you had? And, and maybe you will never see those, those kind of teams again again yeah you know Nelly it was a family and you know that uh you know even though he didn't always get along or agree everybody understood that we had to solve it within but I remember going to Yogi Berra's museum and running into Jim Leland and the first thing he said to me you know pal he says this will never be done again just what you're you're asking me Nelly it 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 was remarkable and and again you know I think what made our club uh, I mean, there are a number of things that made our club special. But to me, the fact that we never stopped to admire what we accomplished because we had more to do. And that, to me, was a real key that every spring we worked like uh, we had something to prove to somebody, even though we, you know, we're wearing the World Series ring from the year before. And you can't, uh, you know, I, I don't care you know, how good a manager people say I am. I can't talk people into what should be important. Uh, they have to feel that. And we certainly had a group. And I, you know, I, I know you felt it, Alex. Looking back at, at those two World Series wins over the Braves, considering Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz are all Hall of Famers. I mean, y- you put it into perspective back then when you actually beat them, Joe. But looking back at that now, how special are those two wins against those two Braves teams? Oh, are you kidding? Uh, you know, especially the, uh, the 96 team. They had just won the World Series in, in 95. And, you know, and they jump off, beat us two games at home. And then we go to Atlanta. And, you know, David Cohn was, was to me, that may have been the, you know, the best decision I ever made uh, was saving David Cohn for game three of the, of the 96 World Series. And I couldn't have done it without his understanding of my reasoning. And, and the reason was he was the only starter we had that ever pitched in Atlanta. And it could be an intimidating ballpark because it's like the launching pad ball jump out of there. But he, uh, you know, he understood what we needed and he certainly gave us what we needed uh, winning that huge game three. Because without that, uh, you know, we don't get the momentum. Well, I remember when you said to Mr. Steinberg said, don't worry, after we lost the first two in a row, and everybody was counting us out. And he said, hey, don't worry, we're going to win four in a row. You just wait and see. And, and we did. And uh, it was uh, it was an incredible run. You know, I wanted to ask you, you know, the way you're managing in, in our day and, and when you did compared to managing now, uh, how how if the game has changed so much with analytics and all these other things, how difficult is that for, let's say, an Aaron Boone compared to when you managed and, and just the difference in, in the way the game's played now? Well, uh, I think it, I'd have trouble today, you know, with the analytics and with sort of a playbook. And, you know, we see the football coaches on the sidelines because they do the work all during the week and they have that first page already mapped out on what they're going to do. I couldn't manage that way. There was a lot of instincts that I wanted to apply. And, and also I had Don Zimmer set by my side and, and he was he was magical also. But to me, uh, I'm concerned about our game, Nelly, based on the fact that, you know, we, we have to let these baseball people use their instincts because 
you know, baseball is imperfect. And, uh, you know, I think they're in the process of trying to make it perfect. And it can't be that way. Human beings play it. It's a, play, it's a game you play every single day. And there are a lot of unpredictable stuff. I mean, both good and bad that really contribute. How do you get back to that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the only, uh, I think it has to be organizational. Uh, I see, and again, maybe I'm a little biased, you know, with uh, Derek Jeter owning the Miami Marlins. I see a lot of little, uh, a lot of small ball going on there from time to time, you know, when when the situation calls for it. You know, to me, uh, you know, I, I mean, for somebody to say, well, that wasn't supposed to happen. Right. Well, look at all these, you know, look at all these numbers. That wasn't supposed to happen, but that's baseball. You know, you, you're going to get Rajay Davis hitting a three-run home run the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series. He certainly wasn't going to be on that sheet. And for that to happen, uh, our game is unpredictable. Uh, it'll, it'll surprise you. It'll and we've gone both ways, Ellie. You know, I we were down two games to none. Uh, you know, to the uh, the Braves in, in '96 back in in 2001. We were down two games to Oakland in a best of five series, going out to Oakland, and Peter makes that miraculous play. So stuff like that, you, know, you don't you don't count on that. And so baseball is is full of those things, but there's no clock. Uh, you have to get 27 out, and they're very, very valuable. And you know, because, you know, when you get uh, in those last nine outs and you were a part of a ton of those games, how important each and every game was. I One game comes to mind for me, Nelly, and that was uh, in Texas when we had a rain delay. We came out of the bullpen in postseason. You know, I think we had a one-run one, uh, lead or two-run lead. And, you know, yeah, yeah, that has to be enough, you know, it's not like uh, if they tie it up, we'll score more. No, we we had a one run lead a lot of times, and that you know we played like uh, that was going to be the uh, the final score. You know, I think everybody coming out of the bowl, everybody coming, you know, I think just the whole team. Don't you think that everybody knew what kind of job they had to do? And you just mentioned some of the guys on the bench when we had Tim Raines, the Homer Bush, Ricky Lede, Shane Spencer, those type players. Everybody knew what they had to do to win a game or contribute that night. Whether it was me, Stanton, Graham. Lloyd, Mendoza, uh, of course, Mariano. I mean, he was he was everybody's safety net. You know, I, I'm glad he was down there. But, uh, you know, I think everybody knew their job and, and it took it personally if you didn't do it. But more more importantly, hey, I got to contribute to help this team win. And and the thing is, you never knew when, when that was going to happen. You know, we had an unselfish group. And, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we needed every single one of them. Uh, and and you, you didn't know how they were going to help, you know, whether it's a pinch runner, Homer Bush, or, you know, a pinch hitter. Soho did such a great job for us. And, you know, Mariano Duncan, who was going to be the utility infielder, wind up being the starting second baseman. You know, I'm, and, and we had an unselfish group, as I said. First playoff game that we had with the uh, Texas Rangers in 96, I remember because Tino was going to play first base and I needed to decide on a on a DH between uh, Cecil Fielder and Daryl Strawberry. And I remember Strawberry walking in the clubhouse before the game that night and I said, Straw, I got to ask you a question. I said, I'm, I'm caught in the middle here. I, I'm not sure who to DH, you or... or Big Daddy, and he says, "Have uh, have Cecil be the DH. I can handle sitting on the bench better." And when you get responses like that from your players, you know you have a group that 
trust my decision and the fact that uh, they just want to win and they don't need to be the guy in the, in the lineup for their ego. And you were talking about small ball, Joe, with the Miami Marlins, and you're seeing that with Derek Jeter in that club when the situation uh, calls for it. And we're kind of seeing that with the Yankees right now since COVID really demolished them, let's face it, out of the All-Star break, and they had to call up all these guys from Scranton. But it seems like they're getting uh, a lot of production Production, especially from a guy like Greg Allen, who's a switch hitter. He's fast. Uh, Ryan Lamar has been flashing some speed as well. Esteban Florial just came up. They're eight and three so far over a crucial 19 game stretch. But it seems like there's a lot of similarities to this group right now and the way the Yankees are playing right now to your teams that won those four World Series championships. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we had so many different contributors and and I think a guy who's had a great career for the Yankees, he was just in spring training for me, but Brett Gardner. You know, he was a guy that was going to be an extra outfielder. All of a sudden, he found himself playing a ton of games, getting big hits. You never know where it's going to come from. But these kids, I personally think, you know, the Yankees, the the expectations are so high. So when they ask the players, you know, maybe in spring training, what do you think? Do you think you can get to the World Series? Nobody even stops at the division series. They want to get to the World Series. So, you know, I think they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And there's plenty of pressure in this game to go around. But when you start, you know, trying to predict seven months from now what's going to happen, I think you pile on more than you need to. And these kids are coming up now. They're having fun. I mean, they're they're obviously not being counted on long term. And they're just going out there and having some fun. And I and I it, it really you can reap the benefits. Yeah, Joe, one, one last from, from me. Uh, you have your Safe at Home Foundation. You're going to have your golf tournament today. I'll see you in about an hour. You want to talk a little bit about that? Just a real quick comment and, and the great things that you've done about with that organization. Yeah, we started in 2002, and I, my wife and I started uh, Safe at Home. I came from a home where my dad was abusive to my mom. He was a New York City uh, police officer, and as an eight-year-old, I remember him threatening her with his revolver. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I kept everything inside for a long, long time. And, you know, there were things I felt as a kid. I had low self-esteem and, and just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, and I was a nervous kid, never realizing that that was caused by what my dad was doing to us and to my older siblings in that home. And then when I when I did realize through counseling, then I wanted to share it. I wanted to, you know, scream it from the housetops. And, you know, we've been, you know, we have a program called Margaret's Place. Those are safe rooms in schools named after my mom. And we've had 100,000 kids come through our program. And, you know, our job is to make sure they know it's not their fault and they're not the only ones experiencing that. And, you know, when uh, when they do get out of school, we want them to have a more positive attitude than they did coming in. So we're proud of it. JoeTory.org for people are interested in finding out what we do. And I, I appreciate Nelly, you give me a minute to talk about it. Joe, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate everything you do with the uh, Safe at Home Foundation and Yankee fans everywhere. Appreciate what the job you did uh, during your tenure as Yankee manager. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, Mr. Torrey.
That says goodnight to episode 71, the Austin Romine edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mongia for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write it a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back on Monday following the Yankees' key four-game set with the Red Sox once again. Enjoy the games, your weekend, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod, folks. Stay safe out there.